This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. Welcome back to the second part of our conversation with Dr. Brian Glennie from Norwich University and Dr. Paul O'Connor from the University of Exeter. This is the second part of this really fun episode focused on skateboarding in the Olympics and whether this represents a clash of two incompatible cultures of sport. In the first part, we set the scene for the debate and Brian and Paul shared some stories from their own involvement in skateboarding. We also talked about skateboarding and religion and how skateboarding may contribute to a meaningful life for the practitioners. For some extra summer fun, Brian was doing the recording from the beach, so you might hear some birds on the background, but luckily the sound quality was not too bad. Our conversation draws from a recent article that the guests have co-authored titled When Myths Collide, Skateboarding and Olympic Narratives. You will find a link to the paper from the show notes. We will jump right into the conversation, so if you haven't listened to the first part yet, it's a good idea to do that now. And otherwise, let's get into it. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. If we go back to that Olympics once more, I mean, now that we are talking, it sounds like they are even more like antagonistic than I thought before. in terms of skateboarding as a a culture and and Olympics as an institution. But so to go back to that paper that you wrote, that you do argue that there is also some common ground, like the shared narrative, this hero's journey that you draw upon in that paper to, to show that there is some common myth or a common narrative that can somehow maybe reconcile some of these tensions, if I understood that correctly. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that. What is that hero's journey and and how does that maybe help us think about that tension? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, I was, I mean, just to, I did, I did not think that there could be an overlap. And I think Paul's the one that really said, no, no, no. This is a classic myth-making moment of essentially the downtrodden skateboarding, you know, that's never really made it into the mainstream culture. You know, the the David, so to speak, of uh, of athletic activity, essentially being, you know, meeting the giant, and in some sense, you know, defeating this giant by not losing its own sense of ethic and more morality about what it actually means to be a human being and not just follow rules but to subvert and surprise and be an intervention and provoke to produce meaning so to speak 
And I, and I think that's where we saw this, this link of hero making that skateboarding itself could be the hero. Um, and, and I actually, you know, I don't think that's a conservative claim. That's a very radical claim because most think that this will just lead to some kind of, you know, the Olympics infecting skateboarding with greater sportification in a way where it, it's a disease that, that skateboarding can never rid itself from. I, our hope is that the, the opposite happens and that in many ways we return to this ancient Olympic myth of the, you know, the hero, uh, you know, going through the cyclical like failure and failure and failure and then somehow rising like a phoenix um, and, and becoming a change maker, uh, infecting the Olympics instead with its sense of subversion and meaning. And, and I, it, this is right, Paul, right? This is, this is kind of yeah. like the, the, mo the move that you were trying to make here. And, and to me, that, that's going to transcend the points. That's going to transcend the gold medal winner and the nation that, that is, you know, that houses the best skateboarder. Nobody cares about that. There's no meaning in that whatsoever. And I just hope that the Olympics identifies this deeper more fundamental meaning of skateboarding itself, maintaining what it is, maintaining its integrity as a provocateur. And I, and I think, again, we, we saw with Leo Baker and his incredible, you know, denunciation of the Olympics. It's not a safe space for me. And I'm just hoping that it ends, you know, this, that we progress in a way where it ends where you know, the hero of the skateboarding moment isn't the gold medal winner. And in fact, Paul, you found in the past this moment where there was a runner, uh, it, was, it was a marathon, I believe, and his, uh, he, you know, he was, he was out of gas in the tank, so to speak, and he fell and his father came and picked him up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that, that, that took the cake, so to speak, for the meaningfulness of the Olympic running event. So, so this is what's so interesting about the way the Olympics works. And, and again, returning to the literature on the sociology of sports, and th there is this need for these sports mega events to, to tick certain boxes. You know, they, they have to be these kind of premier events, these elite events that, that cause everyone to sort of stop and, and, and watch them and turn towards them. And almost essential in this mega event paradigm of the World Cup, of the Olympics, of even Wimbledon, what's going on right now, is, is, is this desperate grasping that you see in the media to, to make this notable event, this notable moment. And it's got to be human. It's got to transcend simply winning or losing so it it really is jumping on that bandwagon of this meaningful element which which seems sometimes a little insincere because so much of what they talk about is is the winning and the losing and the nation uh, and the sponsors as well but when you look at when i mean this is what brian and i really played around with in this paper to begin with was looking at well there is this myth-making in the Olympic, there is a, 
you know, this kind of story, this narrative that takes place about where the Olympics comes from, this the ancient Pan-Hellenic Games and its transformation into this uh, magnificent modern event and how with each year it becomes more spectacular and dynamic and, you know, the, the, the kind of celebrations that surround it, the opening ceremony, it's very ritualized. So when you think about myth as being like a, part of a story that makes sense to a culture or a community or a religion, you see that there is an awful lot of intentionality in the Olympics to build and sustain a myth about what what it means and its tradition and its its kind of uh, ethic and importance. And skateboarding has the same thing. And, uh, you know, I love skateboarding, but I, I'm also, as a passionate advocate of skateboarding i'm also free to be a critic of it and my critique is really about how skateboarders sometimes trick themselves about their narrative and the idea that skateboarding is this maverick rebellious subculture is a myth in itself it's it's also a kind of partial truth that people recycle to themselves. And and certainly if you think about the origin of skateboarding coming from California, well, you know, when you actually pick away at the history of it, that is also a little bit shaky. Kids on the East Coast of the United States were, were nailing old roller skates to planks of wood two by four, not because they they saw surfing, because they were nowhere near surfing, right? That 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 whole idea about California surfing. And then you look at the kind of importance of skateboarding coming out of Florida. The origin story of Californian surfing is a partial truth, but it's one that becomes a real important flavor in skateboarding. And I think similarly, this rebellious maverick, you know, almost anti-capitalist idea of DIY is also a partial truth. Skateboarding has always had this consumptive, capitalist, entrepreneurial flavor to it. That's how it succeeded. But it also is mashed in with all of this other stuff that's artistic and flamboyant and creative. And, you know, and and so what we've got here in the meeting of the Olympics and skateboarding is we've got these two separate myths. And the myths are, are perhaps complementary in some ways but certainly the engines behind these two myths, sort of who are the champions and who are the people that are really propping it up, are quite different. So when you think about the the old style of the Olympics, the Pan-Hellenic Olympics, where the, it was the aristocrats were really the athletes themselves. But what we've got in the modern IOC is the the aristocrats are the wealthy business elite that runs the show and profits off of the olympic model and in skateboarding you know we've got perhaps a a slightly interesting dynamic there as well where we've got people who are very famous and well known but there isn't an awful lot of money in skateboarding and a lot of people that are throwing themselves downstairs and injuring themselves are not getting well rewarded and and they really are on the, the peripheries and the margins so olympics is attractive to a lot of those because it's a lot of those individuals, because it gives them an opportunity to actually become legitimized in a way in which the skateboard industry, for all its noble DIY spirit, actually hasn't taken care of people, you know? So there, there is this 
again, there's a problem with the Olympic myth and there's a problem with the skateboarding myth. And it's interesting to see them coming together in this. Yeah, talking about heroes a little bit to the side on that. But I'm certainly curious how these two mix together and all their contradictions. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I'm I'm just curious when looking at sports psychology literature and Olympic athletes, for example, like there's now so much research and talk about the mental health of athletes and what is the price of, of winning a gold medal and, you know, early specialization and identity foreclosure and, yeah, identity crises when you finish your elite career and mm. all these kinds of things that I guess when when skateboarding has been more like a lifestyle sport where you don't have that kind of <laughs> elite or professional career in the same way, you wouldn't have those negative side effects, if if we call them that. So. I wonder if that's then something that is the danger that will happen, that then we will start talking about these things also in the skateboarding subculture. I mean, we have young people who might be vulnerable and they will have this dream that, you know, I will just focus all in on skateboarding and then I'll be famous in 10 on, years. On, on the contrary, like you know, I, I, you make a really good point. This is a really, really solid point, but there is also some good discussion that's been going on in skateboarding for a while now about how unhealthy skateboarding is similarly in, in the, in the way in which, because it's not institutionalized or organized as a sport, then maybe it seems a little bit freer, but the way in which people have an unhealthy relationship with skateboarding, you know, maybe involved in sort of frill seeking substance abuse, a lot of people avoiding pushing themselves to do extremely dangerous things because other things in their life are going haywire and, and they're kind of crazy. So that I, I think that that's really interesting as well because at, when, when you're involved in any kind of push for social justice, you, you kind of think about a hypothetical continuum. And what you've got, if you want to look after people and have people included and you want to take care of them, is you perhaps don't want to have unhealthy competition. In fact, Perhaps competition isn't particularly productive, not just physically, but but, but mentally as well. Mm. And then you you're you're kind of forced then into this rather challenging situation. Is well, is it healthy to get rid of all competition? And and I feel like th there is at the moment uh, an awful lot of ambiguity around what is healthy. How far do you push yourself as an athlete? Whether you're an elite athlete or whether you're a skateboarder in your local town, it's like. What's a kind of healthy relationship to have with with sport? How far do you go? So, you know, those are bigger questions, I think, that are even beyond this Olympic discussion as well. True, true. And I mean, you know, skateboarding has these kind of bumper sticker mottos, uh, skate or die. And, you know, as if to say, like, yes, the only thing that counts is this particular, you know, athletic activity, lifestyle, subculture that I have. And I, and I think that that has a lot of kind of similarities with what, what you were talking about. I, and I, and just kind of to see these, this five ring circus of the Olympics bring together all of these, this mess of problems, so to speak, and concerns that we might have is an exciting thing unto itself. But also, as, as Paul was saying, a bit, a bit worrisome. Do we, do we really want these, an event like this that motivates such extremism and potential kind of mental 
you know, mental illness fallout and physical fallout, you know, is, is this really kind of the, the epitome of, of human culture that we want to see? The hope, yeah. I think, the hope, I think, is that, that skateboarding can, the fun of skateboarding can kind of show up this extremism. Um, because, of course, we don't really mean skate or die. Yeah. What, what, you know, what we really mean is this, you know, let's subvert until the point where it's a little too uncomfortable for us and then we can just have fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And I, 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 I totally agree. And, and if anything, probably, Brian, I certainly see this with the Warble crew who you're involved in and you're involved with is perhaps the zeitgeist of skateboarding right now really is fun, you know, in contrast to how serious the Olympics can be. Some of the coolest thing happening in skateboarding at the moment is, is how it's become so open and inclusive. It's not the elite sport that some people imagine it to be. It's about really just finding your own space and being able to do it, whether you're a novice, whether you're, you're, you're old and your bones don't work anymore, whether you, you know, you're, you're able-bodied or not, regardless of your gender or sexuality. And there, there seems to be that, that's what people love about skateboarding. You know, it, it, it is fundamentally fun. And, and I think there's a lot more kind of recognition of that in the last couple of years. Certainly, I, th I think that's where the money, so to speak, if there is any in skateboarding, is going. Supporting these new brands that are all about inclusion, like Leo Baker's brand, or like you mentioned, the Warble. And, and i just hopeful that it will have some deeper impact on the Olympics, on, on the way that people view the Olympics as the spectacle. And it will be included in that spectacle as something that hopefully brings about, you know, a greater meaning and an ideal for humanity. Mm. Yeah. I mean, this discussion has given me so much to think about and certainly to follow up and then think further. And But so time is running, so I'll, I'll let you go in a minute. But you talked about several times, like, you know, what what's going to happen and, and we can make some guesses. So you can just throw in a prediction of, you know, how is how is this whole thing with the Olympics going to impact the skateboarding culture? And yeah, what's going to happen? You can like say something, and we can listen to this later and on, have a Paul, laugh about Paul, it. Do so. you have some prediction? Would you, you know, risk I, a prediction? I, I think that there's the potential for some classic Olympic uh, narrative there. You know that human moment, that media moment. So connected to skateboarding. So someone like Sky Brown, for example. Sky Brown, if she wins gold in, in the park section, I, I think she'll be the youngest Olympian ever to win a gold medal. Um, I, it's cutting it close, but it's something like that. And I, I think that there's, there, there is the opportunity for there to be something very uniform about a triumph, particularly we've got some quite young competitors in skateboarding in the Olympics. But I do side with Brian as well that there's going to be something ace and unexpected from one of the characters doing something which is typically skateboarding and will be a way to sort of unsettle the pomp and austerity of the Olympic ceremonials and say, no, this is how skateboarding really does it. And I, I think there's going to be room for that. And I'm pretty sure there will be something. It's whether it outshines you know, the potential of Sky Brown or Niger getting gold. I, I don't know. I, I like that. I, I think that's the correct analysis. My, 
I guess my only hope is like actually during their competition, there's some moment where, you know, all you have to do is a simple trick, but the skateboarder fully sends it and loses the gold. You know, some, some, you know, I hate, I hate to hope for something like this, but where, where true skateboarding is visibly manifest in contrast to kind of the Olympic point totaling. Mm, so it's like a new version of the Lindsay yeah. leap. Of course, I. But but I hope that the Olympics has learned from the Lindsay lesson that this is to be praised from this you know tribal culture and and turned into its own meaningful moment for the general public. And so so that's that's the 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 prediction I would have, and or or, or at least the hope. Yeah. Very good. Mm, yeah that sounds exciting and honestly telling you i wasn't thinking that i'm going to be watching the skateboarding in the olympics like i don't really watch the olympics a lot typically <laughs> to confess but you made me quite curious so i think i'll just need to see what you, happens you, you probably you probably have to balance it out with watching like the warbles latest video or godspeed yeah. as well like you need a balance. It's just a poor <laughs> Olympic skateboarding diet is is not a healthy balance. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you need to send me a couple of alternative things that I can look into and learn more, and I will just link that to the show notes so our listeners can look into those things Great. a little bit as yeah. well. So I've I've taken enough of your time. This was really a wonderful discussion and. Yeah, Brian, enjoy your day on the beach. It's, I guess uh, it's going to be yes. a hot day or, or not. Yeah. And and Paul, thank you so much for the conversation as well. So yeah, it was likewise. really a pleasure. It was great speaking to you both. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for your podcast. Paul, it's great to hear your voice. We'll talk to you like later. You. Take care. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be great help for us we have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes so be sure to tune in thank you all for your support and have a great day